You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Chris Euler. And I'm Heather Caro. And we are, have had a wonderful show today. Uh, some uh, really interesting topics, uh, some heavy topics from grief to grace, talking about uh, post-abortion panel, right? We kicked off the show talking about Lent and the beautiful joys and challenges of that. And then most recently just talked to Father Vincent Lampert, uh, exorcist of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Uh, really, really interesting conversation with him. Puts kind of exorcism in a new light for me. I yeah. was very, it was very good to hear. Yeah, it was. It I was. was uh, it's one of those. The numbers that, are a little different than I would have thought. But yeah, that's it's it was, it's a lot. Yeah. So, but we're gonna continue on the same trend here with exorcism, and uh, this one is a little bit. Uh, is about a, a man who has since passed, right? Who is no longer with us, but uh, it's a book about a very popular exorcist, and we're joined by Jordan Burke to talk about uh, his book, The Pope's Exorcist, 101 Questions About Father Gabriel Morth. So, Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, could you tell us about yourself and who Father Morth is? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with, uh, I didn't write the book. I wish I did. But oh. I, <laughs> I'm ah. just a spokesperson for the book. So, yeah, I ah. believe it was uh, compiled by Sophia Institute. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, if, I, I probably shouldn't take that credit because he's an exorcist, but probably going to end well for me. There you go. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, but Father Gabriel Morris, this book is, is phenomenal. I'm, I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about it, and I, I thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, what what kind of work do you do? You're the spokesperson. Uh, are you with Sophia Press? Yeah, so I, I, I narrate some of their books, and I'm doing... I'm, they brought me on for the spokesperson for this, but primarily I work for the Avalon Institute, spiritualdirection.com, the High Calling Program for uh, Priestly Formation. Uh, I run an apostolate called Do the Harder Thing, which is uh, focused, a lot of what we do is focused on deliverance ministry, helping helping the lay, you know, navigate, I'm a lay person as well, but helping navigate what we can and can't do, what we should be aware of, kind of removing the sensationalism from all of this and, and just giving a practical application of what the truth is and the beauty of uh, what God has provided us within the means of the church. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's really beautiful work. Uh, so, Father Morth, let's, can you tell a little, little short bio about who he is and what he did? Yeah, of course. So, Father Morth was Rome's leading exorcist, uh, and he's really interesting because he was born in 1925, so he's, he's, more, he's, close, <laughs> he's closer to us than we probably would have suspected or that some people may know. And what's fascinating about his life is he wasn't always, you know, he, he, he started off not as a priest. He actually fought uh, for the resistance in World War II. He won a medal for that. And then he, after that, he realized how important it was to kind of follow in the footsteps of his father, who was in politics. And Father Marth helped the Italian prime minister at the time draft their constitution. So he was involved with all these things outside of the church. Um, but even within that, he still felt a draw to the priesthood. Um, so while writing for multiple publications and, and talking to all sorts of different people, he ended up joining the priesthood. He was ordained at 32 years old. Hmm. And then more interestingly, he became an exorcist in his 60s. Interesting. So 30 years a priest or so, and then became an exorcist after that. And so right. 
the book is the Pope's Exorcist, right? And so, how did he become the the Pope's Exorcist? <laughs> so, at that time, he was very vocal about the need. I, I should say, even before he became an exorcist, he understood the need for exorcists, and he was very vocal about the need for bishops to appoint them. Because, for those who aren't aware, uh, you have to be appointed by a bishop currently. And he has even argued in some of his other books that he really wished that uh, the Church would give permission to all priests to be able to perform exorcisms. That was kind of his um, understanding of everything. But because of the need of exorcists at that time when he was appointed, there are very few, and there was a great need for the work to be done. Uh, it seems to me, although it's not made explicitly clear in the book, that he was given extraordinary faculties. And the reason that I come to this conclusion is because over the time of him being an exorcist, uh, he performed, by his estimation, estimation 60,000 exorcisms. Wow. Which what? is astonishing. Right. And seeing up to 17 people per day at one point, which is just absolutely wild. But that means that he's going to need a whole lot of support, a whole lot of holy, uh, holy water, epiphany water, all these other things, that some of them that need permission to be done, such as epiphany water, so my suspicion is that he was given kind of extraordinary faculties to, to do whatever he needed to do in order to help the people around him. That's amazing. And at 60, yeah. starting at 60. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So how long was he, did, did he serve as an exorcist until he passed? Or was it, uh, did he retire? Or? Yeah, so shortly before he passed, he started slowing down and retiring. Um, but he basically carried through all the way to the end. And part of, he, he was so passionate about this work that he formed the uh, International Association of Exorcists, the IAE, um, trying to bring them all together and say, hey, listen, this is important. What we're doing is really needed by the Church, but we also need to communicate. And we also, so, as an example, some people are unaware that uh, exorcism is a sacramental. It's not a sacrament. Mm-hmm. And that means that within within the means, the normative operation of an exorcism, there are going to be some exorcists who try something, who are ideally divinely inspired, um, to try, hey, let's pray the uh, breastplate of St. Patrick. Oh, hey, that seemed to work really well. Well, you, you shouldn't keep that to yourself. There should be a way that you can tell all these other exorcists, hey, look, you have this case, this is what was going on, this was super effective as well as just kind of the normative um, diagnosing of, of diabolical infestation, oppression, possession, those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. And so remind me again, too, his office was, if I'm correct, is that at the top of the Scala Sancta? Uh, you know, that I don't know. He he had an office, um, I'm trying to look back in the book. I don't recall for sure. I know that in the book they make a big deal of why I should say he makes a big deal that it's way off, it's very mundane, because uh, it had to be away from the street so the police didn't get called because of all the screaming. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So what are some things that uh, Father said about the influence of the de- of demons in our world? Well, the, the beautiful thing when he talks about this, he has a gift of being extraordinarily precise and concise, which is very nice. Uh, he also removed the sensationalism out of out of all of it. He said, mm-hmm. there's no need to be afraid. We need to understand the reality of what we're dealing with. We need to understand that, yes, there is the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking for souls to devour, right? First Peter, I think, 5.8, if my memory serves me. 
Um, so we have to be aware of that, but we also have to know that, that God loves us, and He's given us the means within the Church, and with those means, we can overcome the enemy by the grace of God. So He is very good about explaining, yeah, these are the things you might see. These are the things that I've come across. Some of them are kind of extraordinary, and you don't see them all that often. Some of them are far more uh, normal and ordinary. But either way, there's no need to be afraid. There's no sensationalism. It's just, this is the way it is. This is, this is the normative Christian life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely like a lesson for us to be able to be, just to live our lives normally and stay close to the sacraments and, it, and adhere to Christ's teaching and pray every day, right? It's Right. And we're, we are in the battle. We're in the midst of it. But we also have this great gift of things to help protect us and guide mm-hmm. us. And that's the norm, right? Right. And right. so this this book, how is it set up? Is it more in an autobiographical form, or is it focused more on like his teachings and his spirituality? So it's interesting. It's it's set up as a the whole thing is a question and answer, but it's split into three different parts. So the first part gives a little bit of a background about who Father Morph was, and then it talks a little bit about what he did, and then it talks a little bit more specifically about exorcism. Um, so it kind of breaks it up into very digestible parts. I think uh, yeah, I'm kind of a quick reader, but I think I read the whole thing in maybe an hour, maybe less. So it's yeah. very digestible. Yeah. yeah, and it's and the question and answer. And he's so he has such a great sense of humor. He he referred to himself as a joker. He was always playing pranks, and so <laughs> he's very witty. And so it's very easy. And and uh, you know it's funny to say this a book about exorcism, but it's a fun read. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> oh, jinx. You owe me Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are also some like mystical things that I didn't know about Father Amorth. Can you talk a little bit about some of his supernatural uh, things that have gone on in his life? Yeah, so he, he's very clear that he didn't have a ton that went on. However, the few times that he did have the supernatural or what we would see as a supernatural experience, um, he was very thankful for it. He was always giving praise to God. But he had received visions from St. Benedict, St. Gabriel of Our Lady, Lady of Sorrows, he, who he was devoted to, and uh, Padre Pio, which this is beautiful because Padre Pio, for a number of years, was Father Gabriel Moore's uh, spiritual director. Wow. That's not a bad spiritual right. director. <laughs> oh, right. amazing. Right. <laughs> Very cool. Well, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Jordan Burke. He is sharing with us the Pope's Exorcist book. Um, it's questions about Father Amorth, who was an exorcist and known as the Pope's Exorcist. But we have to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have more uh, with Jordan Burke and discussing this interesting book. So stay with us, folks. More Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Belief in the personal God. This saying, I believe, is a conscious act of the self an act in which the will and the understanding, the teaching and the guidance I have been given are all cooperatively involved. 
This act comprehends the trusting or, if you like, reaching out, transcending our own limits, turning toward God. And this act is not just a matter of relating to some higher power or other, but to the God who knows me and who speaks to me. In that sense, he is someone who can speak and who can listen. That, I think, is what is essential about God. Nature can be marvelous. The starry heaven is stupendous. But my reaction to that remains no more than an impersonal wonder because that, in the end, means that I am myself no more than a tiny part of an enormous machine. The real God, however, is more than that. He is not just nature, but the one who came before it and who sustains it. And the whole of God, so faith tells us, is the act of relating. That is what we mean when we say that he is a trinity, that he is threefold. Because he is in himself a complex of relationships, he can also make other beings who are grounded in relationships and who may relate to him because he has related them to himself. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter, and be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Chris Euler. And I'm Heather Caro. And we are broadcasting from Aberdeen, Rowan Collie, in Aberdeen, South Dakota. We are on right now with Jordan Burke, who is discussing the book, The Pope's Exorcist, 101 Questions About Father Gabriel Amorth. So, uh, before the break, we talked about who he is, who was Father Gabriel, what did he do, right? Uh, and then a little bit about uh, some of his thoughts about the world and the presence of evil in the world and demons and so uh yeah so jordan uh thank you once again for being out with us uh you had mentioned before the break that padre pio the beloved franciscan saint <laughs> was father Morth's spiritual director how how did that happen so that's a great question so so i believe father Morth just kind of knew as many people did around that time that padre pio was, was this amazing human who's basically a saint walking the earth before he was beatified and so he would just go and see him and he even went and said to him hey uh padre pio what where should i what's what's my vocation and the answer that padre pio was kind of funny <laughs> father morth writes in another book yeah it was kind of lackluster <laughs> he said well you know you can be franciscan or you know if you're in good health you can be a benedictine or if you're in poor health you can be this and it was it wasn't oh, like wow. a straightforward answer that he was hoping for he's like wait a minute you're a mystic i, I was hoping for more so but <laughs> regardless he uh he kept going back to him for spiritual direction and confession for i believe it was around 26 years uh, and they were very wow. close so yeah amazing that is amazing so and then what so i know he was a priest what, what order was he an order priest was he diocesan priest father morris so he was in the Paulines for a number of years, and then it's it's hard to keep track because he, he bounces around for a while. So he he headed the Paulines, he headed their magazine or their uh, media area. He did a whole lot. He was very prolific in his writing, um, and then he got pulled in a couple different directions. So it's it's hard to keep track 
But um, at a certain point, he became what seems by all his writings and his different books, just primarily exorcism. And where that fell in the realm of like uh, the hierarchy, I'm not entirely sure. Sure. Yeah, all right. Interesting. So we've been talking a lot about um, some really tough topics today, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that... Um, we always have to find that silver lining. Yes. So I, I want to ask the question on how can we have a healthy concern about demons and not mm. let it become intrusive, make us fearful, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is my favorite question because you're right. You always have to have the light. Otherwise people get a little bit too worried and that's mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not helpful for these sorts of things, although it is understandable. So, Father Morth, as I kind of previously mentioned, that there's a normative aspect to the Christian life. If you're pursuing God, you're going to get pushback in some way or another, whether if you're pursuing a vocation, whatever the vocation may be, or you're just pursuing a holy marriage. That makes the enemy really mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the enemy doesn't like those things. And so what happens is you have to understand that there's pushback that happens in various forms and fashions. And so Father Morth is good about talking uh, and explaining, hey, you, this, this is just how it works, you know? And the good news is, is that there's so many things that you can do. You can pray. You can pray these prayers. You can pray these other prayers. You can have the sac- other sacramentals like holy water, St. Benedict medals, and, and all these sorts of things. So he's good about giving a practical application, sort of a spiritual toolkit, so to speak, to uh, kind of help the laity, to help everyone really, priests included, um, navigate the normal spiritual life. Well, and I've often wondered too. Um, so sometimes I've heard that doing certain things are should be avoided. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like yoga might be one of them, or right. rock music, or Harry Potter, or I mean, there's a lot of them out there that people are like, you cannot do that, you cannot listen to it. Where do we where do we fall on that? I mean, are those pathways to something darker? Yeah. So this is a, this is another awesome question. So. This is another reason also that I like Father Morse so much. It's like he's very, uh, he's, he's, as what I try to be, a man of the middle ground, right? So he says that some of these things can absolutely open doorways. However, to say that all of them do is not practical. So, for instance, he talks about rock music, and there are some rock bands that draw from satanic imagery. He writes about that in the book. Um, and for Harry Potter, his caution against Harry Potter was that it glorifies magic, and he compares it to the Lord of the Rings. He says, well, the magic in Lord of the Rings is kind of uh, an aid to the story in the background. It's not the central theme of the entire thing. It doesn't glorify it in any way. Um, as for yoga, you know, there's there's a lot of exorcists who have spoken on this, and there are different, and this one's far more nuanced, there's, there's different aspects of it, um, where some are, I should say, to explain, <laughs> there are some that are way more capable of opening a doorway than others. Um, but Father Morgan writes, he says, what, is all of it, you know, uh, is all yoga a doorway? But no, probably not. Um, I think he calls it, is, is practicing these gateway drugs to uh, the diabolic? He said, I think that's overstating the case. Hmm. Um, but to still be cautious and aware that there are certain things that the Church says, hey, you shouldn't engage in that. Um, and then he doesn't write about this, but the beauty of that is, is that the Church has provided alternative means. So for yoga, for Harry Potter. The church didn't provide Lord of the Rings, but there you go. There's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's for yoga, there's soul core, you know, or Pilates. For, for rock music, there's Gregorian chant, which the church has provided. So 
just these different things, um, these different aspects to be aware of. Yeah, and to to be able to, as in all things, right, I find it always interesting with, so working in, working in a high school, right, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids in their rap music or kids in their social media, like their TikToks, whatever it means. Mm-hmm. So, like, a big emphasis on, like, doesn't necessarily directly open you. Yeah. But, like, what you uh, digest, so to speak, will, I mean, it influences your disposition. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so there's this, uh, yeah, so there's, like you said, the the middle ground, the via media. It's like, yeah, like, it's okay to watch this show or listen to this thing, but, like, are you filling, it goes back to the renewal of the mind thing. Are we filling our minds and our hearts with good, true, and beautiful, or are we struggling with some sort of vice or sin because all we listen to is five-finger death punch? Like. <laughs> Right. That's a, like a heavy metal band, like you know, like also right. sounds like a Mountain Dew drink. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, it's kind of a five hundred death punch. That'd be a, I think he just got hired on Mountain Dew's new uh, new branding. There it's you been go. Nice knowing yeah. you. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting to be able to like, especially here, you know, like my Father Morris middle ground idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have. Uh, you know, being um, a young Catholic, right, and being around people, um, I may, and I think it's maybe it's kind of, it's, I don't know how different it is, right, but in my time going even from high school through college at a, a solid Catholic university, and then from there, like, leaving, like, there were some people at my Catholic university that were like, oh my gosh, you did this? Like, I'm like, dude, I'm like listening to, like, the Lumineers, like, <laughs> right? So there's the extremes, right? Right, right. And so, yeah, right. that middle ground is a good lesson for all people because, like, by our nature, we're evangelistic. Yeah. And so um, maybe, like, could you speak to a little bit of how, like, as we, and he's got warnings for us in his book about uh, the works of Satan, but also things that bring us closer to God. And then maybe how do we tie it into, like, living, like you said, that normative life as a Catholic as the the awareness of things of Satan, but also awareness more so of God. Yeah. So, and, and to your point, Father Ripperger has often said, you know, the devil isn't under every rock. You know, people mm. like to go to these <laughs> extremes. Um, right. And what's funny is the devil wants you to think he's under every rock, and then he generally follows up with, and sometimes you may put the rock down and check it later, and he is actually there. So, <laughs> but it's <laughs> not. It's not. Yeah. It's not every time, right? Huh. Um, so, having this understanding of this this middle ground and living in the middle ground and and knowing what we have access to. So Father Gabriel Morth writes a lot about these different means of protection, and, and obviously, uh, as we should all know, the sacraments are the greatest means of protection. But he also talks about praying to your guardian angel and asking him for help. Um, I believe it was Aquinas who wrote that the, your guardian angel has more power than the devil, which is astonishing to think about. Um, but when you under, you know you go to Thomism and all that kind of stuff, it makes a little bit more sense. But you know that's a means that Father Mark says: ask your guardian angel for help, ask Our Lady for help, have devotions, pray the uh, prayer of Saint Michael, pray you know daily mental prayer, all these different things. Having your mind focused on God—that's what's going to keep you safe. If you're living a good and healthy sacramental life and you're pursuing Christ in all the ways that you know how to, and you're constantly seeking to go deeper and unify your will with God's will, that's what's going to keep you safe. 
Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, as we draw closer to God and the sacraments and we, we dive into his word and we dive into our faith, right? We're only going to be more conformed to his will. Mm-hmm. And it, therefore we are protected. Yeah. And if we truly right. do that, unless it's a Job situation, which I mean, right. Yeah. That's an anomaly, which, <laughs> you know, well, and even, but even with that, if, if God permits it, that here's the beauty of the, the divine aspect of all of this. Our being the church militant, as we fight back against the enemy, even if God permits the enemy to attack us in certain ways, like a Job situation, what happens with Job and what happens with all of us when we choose the right path is that we grow closer to God, and in that, the enemy is humiliated and defeated. Mm. So, like, there's this beautiful cyclical nature of um, this fight against the diabolic that even if it's permitted and even if it's, if it's hard, it still brings about the defeat of the enemy through the grace of God. So this divine plan, it's like, it, it makes me smile every time I talk about it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's it's actually it's super encouraging. Yeah, Nineveh can right. still be converted. <laughs> yes, right, right. exactly. Right. Well, Jordan, thank you for being on today, talking about this awesome book and uh, seeing uh, the life of Gabriel Morith, uh, which is uh, it's very important to learn about the, these wonderful people from our faith. Uh, so do you have any final thoughts about the book or Father Morth uh, or just the the battle of good and evil in general? Uh, you know, I want to get uh, Father Morth beatified, so let's pray for that. You go get the book. It's phenomenal. If you want to have any sort of cursory understanding of of uh, how how this all works, it's it's in there. It's a great starting book. There's no sensationalism. It's not scary. It's, it's good stuff. So Sophia Institute Press, The Pope's Exorcist, it's great stuff. All right, there you go. So Sophia Institute Press... Go ahead up, uh, The Pope's Exorcist, all right? Uh, excellent book, excellent uh, man to learn mm-hmm. about the spiritual life from. So, Jordan, once again, thank you so much. Uh, and we look forward to uh, reading this book yeah. and seeing the movie, too, I guess. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah, thank you, God. A couple shameless plugs. So, there you go. All right, God bless, Jordan. Thank you so much. God bless. All right, very interesting. Really? We're learning a lot today. Yeah, I, I'm I, learning a lot today. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. It has been informative. It has been uh, edifying. I was a little worried that I was going to leave the show when I saw all the guests that I was going to leave just really depressed. Yeah, but I'm leaving really. Well, we still have one more guest. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not do. leaving yet, Chris. <laughs> but uh, I, it just—it's like it's making me feel confident and powerful. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've got a big God. We do. That is way bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Yeah, so exciting stuff. We need not fear. Amen. All so. right, folks. Well, we're going to toss it to a break, and then when we come back, we've got one last interview. Uh, we're going to talk about how recognizing the works of evil in our world today. So don't go anywhere. We will see you after the break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 